Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. Uh, it has been the week of uh, slight pause because my name is Dan and I've been on holiday. How have you been? Uh, and so has my dear friend Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Well, I haven't been on holiday, but I have been away from the city in the countryside and far from internet connections and things like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, you realise that in most parts of the world, they're calling that a holiday. <laughs> 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 but before we get into semantics and divulging too much personal information, how about we, uh, we leap right in and catch up on, uh, on some of the racing that's been going on in the last week and a bit? Yeah, well, we missed last week because we were both on holiday. Dan, dear friend, dear listener, has been, um, he's been betraying the fine, noble sport of cycling. He um, has eschewed his bike. Explain how in, he's, uh, been, he's yeah. been committing adultery on his bike with another two-wheeled implement. Yes, he has been. Is there more to this story? This seems like a rather, rather flat and pointless story so far. You were being unfaithful to cycling last week, Dan, weren't you? No more than I am every week. <laughs> it's awkward, isn't it, when you when you try to go in for this this big lead in and I'm just not playing in the way that you're expecting me to. <laughs> oh touche, sir, touche. <laughs> Oh, Dan was on his motorbike. It yeah. was very exciting. He had a lot of fun, <laughs> I am told. I did, I did. Although, I rather tragically, and um, and much to my chagrin, mostly because uh, Kelvin did a fantastic job beating the shit out of me on Twitter for it, um, actually turned out that I one of the places I stopped was a country town in New South Wales called Coonabarabran. Great little town. Um, anyway, uh, I was there, and I was pausing for a coffee. I was on my way through... Um, and turns out that I was there two days before the National Road Series cycling race. And which, and if I'd actually bothered to look at, at the calendar, bike race. Yeah, if I'd if I'd actually bothered to look at the racing calendar, you know, any time in the the couple of weeks before when I was planning my trip, um, I would have factored that in. But uh, as it was, I I had places to be and they weren't in Greater Barabrin in two days time so yeah and, unfortunate. And, and you missed another bike race on that very day didn't you well to be fair I think I get a pass on that one that was Narrabri which is literally 252 kilometers up the road um so I couldn't have got so there in time for that so race. an Australian distance just around the corner yeah, yeah, no, it is literally the next town on the highway. Like, I'm not joking, there's nothing in between the two of them. Um, but, but yes, yeah, so the, the point is that in the time it would have taken to go from one town to the next, the race would have been over, so, yeah. See, I was, I was, I was, it was a pretty bad week for us both to go away, to be honest, because there were two fantastic races, and one of them in America, the Nature Valley Grand Prix. And, oh my God, Dan, how much do I want to go to Minnesota next year so that I can watch the Nature Valley Grand Prix? On it's a scale just... of 1 to 10, I would put that at 2,000. You know what? Every week, practically, I say, oh, and here was an amazing American race where they yeah. had a really good time and showed the spectators a really good time. But this, honestly, is a step up. They've got... So it's in the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, and it's... 
six stages over five days, maybe mm-hmm. seven stages over six days. I'm so sorry, I can't remember. And they have things that every day they have a men's race and a women's race and a children's race in every stage. How cute is that? They have a giant expo tent that rocks up at every stage with like loads of ways that you can get involved with local bike races. They have trick riding, they have events, they have all sorts of things. And I'm just like, shit, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to see this race. But people, you can see this race because they do really good race videos every day. And two stages were shown short, sort of live-ish. Sort of live-ish. Not, right. not, sorry, just to be clear, uh, dear friends listening at home, that was sort of live-ish, not short of live-ish, as Sarah said. <laughs> Sort of live-ish. So what do I mean by sort of live-ish? Well, they have a crit circuit, say a 13-mile circuit or something like that. And they have the cameras on the start and finish line. And they also have cameras at the top of the hill. So it's for most of the most of the lap, you are actually seeing happy Americans wandering around being happy. And it's not necessarily bike racing. But then they cut to the bike racing and they have um, live commentary. And, you know, compared to everything else, the flesh will on. It's brilliant! <laughs> Thank you for putting in my favourite pet hate of the year. <laughs> I, I, I was worried about your blood pressure, dear. <laughs> no, I, I appreciated that. I really did. <laughs> yes. So, um, the Nature Valley Grand Prix. Oh, my God. And it was... so. Carmen Small won it last year when she was riding for Optum, presented by Kelly Benefit Strategy. Um, and she won the first initial time trial, which was awesome. And then, unfortunately, in the afternoon stage uh, of that day, which was a crit, pretty much all of the specialised Lululemon team, including Carmen, crashed. And it was ta- the lead was taken over by Jade Wilcoxon. Now, Jade which Wilcoxon- it, it turns out that was actually some sort of really elaborate team practical joke, but nobody's been able to work out what the joke was and who it was on yet. So you know what, crits, <laughs> crits are fucking dangerous, man. I was I was trying to I was describing a crit. I can't remember who I was describing a crit to, and it's like saying, well, okay, so you have this very short course, and it's in a city, so there's lots of right angles and mm. sharp corners, sharp corners, and stuff like that, and, right um, angles. Yep. And you ride for an hour, and you ride very, very fast in a pack, mm-hmm. in a in a course which has where the lap has like like I don't know um, four really sharp corners and one really dodgy patch, and you do that twenty nine times or thirty two times or something. Mm. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Not much, not much at all. I mean, it's basically let's it's basically saying right, where are the first crashes? So, well, you know, let's be honest, um, you know, in crit racing, if they really wanted to spice things up, they could take a, a few pages out of the roller derby handbook. What? No, I'm not going to talk about roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're refusing to play. Okay, fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> I'm covering my own mouth to stop the ranting coming out. <laughs> because all you'll be able to hear is... <laughs> <laughs> Suspenders. <laughs> A sport only girls are allowed to play. <laughs> and that's what basically what would my my roller derby rant would be. I've got some very dear friends who play roller derby, but I yeah. yes. No, I, I stopped on. hearing things at the word suspenders, so we should should move on. <laughs> not what I was picturing, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, Jade Wilcoxon had been leading the race all the way through, but she was only one second ahead of Shelley Olds from Team Tibco when they went into the final stage. And it was Jade in the lead, Shelley Olds one second behind, and in third place, Carmen Small, 11 seconds back. And Carmen, I was reading some really good write-up on cycling news, and it was, she was, and apparently Carmen had said, yeah, well, this, this hit, so it's 13 laps of this critty course with a hill in it with a really technical steep descent. And Carmen said, yeah, my big goal, one of my big goals for the season is the Giro, Don, is the Giro Rosa. So I decided not to kind of contest it too hard. <laughs> which turned out to be lucky because poor, poor Jade Wilcoxon in the final corner mm. took the wrong line, crashed into the barriers and broke her wrist. Yeah, yeah. And there was, I mean, the internet is now replete with um, with photos showing just how fucking tough Jade is. Yeah, because, cause, so Jade, and there was a bit of controversy because this was the final corner, but there was the t- Optum, Jade's team, had, had thought that had said had were, were saying to the organisers, but she finished, crashed in the final, however much it was. Mm. She should get the same time as Shelley Olds, who won. Shelley should win. Yeah. And whereas whereas they said no, Shelley, you know, Shelley Shelley won first. Shelley's won the whole race. So yeah, I mean, but poor, but then Jade turned up on the podium. So she's broken her wrist. She's got all sorts of road rash. She's not looking very happy. She's still. She's just come second because of a crash grinning on the podium and waving to people and she said afterwards that well you know i took a risk but i'd probably do the same thing yeah yeah super hard i mean i'm gutted that she can't ride the giro but yeah i mean super tough oh Um, god that's actually i've just hit on the the theme for this week's podcast that's terrible but yeah okay anyway i think i know the theme too Mm, mm. Dear friends, our theme is riders that we love who won't be riding the Giro Rosa. It's, yeah, tough week. Riders who won't be riding racers. Mm, shitty week. <sighs> Sigh. Mm. Anyway, sorry, that shouldn't distract from our, or dampen our enthusiasm for Nature Valley, so. Yeah, so Nature Valley, I'll put links on our blog, prowomencycling.com, to all the videos, because they're really good. They tell the story really well. We'll put up loads of links for them. You know um, what I think? I think we should make a project, sorry, just as a pause, as, as an aside, because, as you say, pretty much every week we're on here going, you know, there's been some really fucking awesome race in America and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it sparked a thought for me because uh, one of our friends, Jiro Jenny, on Twitter, uh, commented the other week that we should really go to Tulsa for Tulsa Tough next time it's on because, you know, that was another one of these races that we've talked about how good it was. Uh, and now we're adding, you know, uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul to, to the mix with Nature Valley. Uh, there's the Philly Classic. Redland Classic. You know what I'm thinking, Sarah? We need to do, like, the Great American Cycling Road Trip, don't we? Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. We could, it would we take could, about six months, Dan. We could, we could fund this with one simple betting pool on which one of us murders the other in their sleep first. The betting pool wouldn't pay up until we'd done the murdering. So only one of us can truly be counted a winner. <laughs> no, no, but they were How would we get out there when we haven't met up yet and paid? I mean, unless unless we have to, unless we actually have to meet at Worlds. Well, and... unless that's the cost of um, of the pool, 
Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, so we, so we I mean, take think... bets. I, someone's got to bet fair or someone's got to be able to set this up where they take see, the I'm bets, not, deduct a certain sure. amount of expenses to send us to, to this thing and then just wait and see. I'm not sure it would be murdering in your sleep, though. I think you're. Um, I think it would be less... Uh, well, it might be for you, but it would be less um, planned for me. I think it would be more stabbing you to death with a ballpoint pen or a fork or something. Fair enough. Well, see, there'd, there'd be a side pool for methodology. Because I think one of the other... I think one of the other things is um, possibly, um, you know, me just driving off the side of a cliff in a rage and we just both go together. I think that's a realistic realistic possibility. Fellow Louise style. Well, no, because, you know, they were happy about it. I, you know, yeah. Oh, um, oh, yeah. does that mean, like, oh, I've just, oh, okay. Um, I could... or, or, you know, the possibility, as you say, you know, like in our sleep, you're right. We, we probably won't last that long, um, you know, so... <laughs> I don't know, poisoning a cheesesteak or something like that. Like, yeah, I can see, I can see multiple scenarios in which this could just go horribly, horribly wrong, but also hilariously wrong. I think basically what it boils down to is one of us dies and one of us spends the rest of our natural life in an American federal penitentiary, um, and much hilarity ensues for everyone. So, oh, I, I uh, um, yeah, I think I'll skip the American road trip. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, it's or, not because Sarah's afraid of dying. <laughs> or I could go with someone else. <laughs> Dear friend, if you'd like to come on the Great American Road Trip with me, and then we can just basically um, not frustrate Dan with stories about what a great mm. time we're having. <laughs> uh, so, you know. Anyway, um, so that's that's our first hearty diversion out of the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so watch Nature Valley, everyone. Uh, the other race was the Giro Trentino. Mm, yeah, won by Evie. Awesome, Evie. I mean, we welcomed her back last time round, but, you know, like, officially welcome back to to winning the uh, the stage raciness of Giro Trentino. Yes, and we loved... Um, we love the Immaculate Beera, and this was pretty much the same, uh, another another play of the Immaculate Beera, where it came down to three riders, Evie, Emma Johansson, Elisa Longo-Borghini. Mm. And holy fuck, um, you know, I know we say this over and over and over again, but Emma is just, yeah, ridiculous. Um, and, you know, Elise has been showing amazing form. So this was a really exciting race. Yeah, you're just depressing me now. Yep, that's, um, you know, after you threatened to go to America without me. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Actually, there was something very interesting about the team time trial because this is the first team time trial since the days of the Cervelo test team that uh, Specialised Lululemon didn't win. Really? Yeah. Wow. I hadn't realised yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Because, so, so, dear friends, um, team time trials, they're an interesting thing. The women don't get to race that many of them, but... Um, but they have had the Vagorda, the Open to Sweat Vagorda mm. round of the World Cup has a team time trial, which is a round of the World Cup and a road race. And so they've, you know, so they've been kind of high, you know, individual standalone team time trials. They've got some, they've had quite a lot to gain, even before they brought back the team time, trade team time trials into the into world. Into the world, yeah. Now, the... What happened was special um, Cervelo Test Team won every team time trial they entered when they were there. This was back in the golden halcyon days of Kirsten Field joking about how when Emma Pooley is in front of her, you pretty much have to do two turns on the front because Emma gives you no protection. <laughs> <laughs> no 
slipstream from following Emma Pooley. But, you know, they used to have, who did they have? They had Charlotte Becker, Kirsten Veeld. Uh, they had all sorts of, you know, Emma. They had loads of really strong riders. And then they got disbanded and sucked into Garmin. Garmin. Um, Sarah's favourite sponsor. And after that, HTC took over the took over the mantle of um, non-stop team time trial, absolute not just domination, complete crushing. Why are you even bothering um, time trial ability? And <laughs> Sorry, it's interesting. You slipped into your inner voice for that. <laughs> <laughs> why are you even why are you bothering? Even bothering? <laughs> You're going to lose, but ride harder anyway, pussies. God, better to die. Yeah. Um. Oh, Ina. Um, Ina, Ina, Ina. Ina, Ina, Ina. Um, oh, now I'm sad again. Um, <laughs> and, this, uh, is the, this is the manic depressive episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to my usual state of being. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, oh, yes. <laughs> God. Oh. So, anyway... A specialized uh, HTC HTC High Road became uh, HTC became specialized Lululemon, and this was the first team time trial they've raced that they haven't won. And Orica came eighth, which is also a little bit surprising, sort of. Completely, completely weird. I mean, mm. just madness. And this, you know, and they were kind of like a minute and twenty six down or something. So you know, they, it put Emma Johansson out of the running for the overall at Trentino. But yeah, and it was won by B Pink. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether part of it was that you know this isn't specialised Lululemon's A team time trial team it was Trixie Warwick's first race back since since breaking her collarbone and you had riders like Carmen Small and Ali Stacker out in America riding Nature Valley so mm. you know it wasn't their 100% excellent team but still they still came second but shock 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 but Evie went out that afternoon and won the fabulously climby second stage yeah and yeah and, well and rumor um, is that she actually won a stage of the Tour de Suisse as well just because you know fuck everyone else it was um, <laughs> pretty amazing Oh, happy Evie. I'm so glad she's back. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the racing last week. And then the peloton split up. Um, Evie then gets to have a fortnight off before the Giro because she her, she's obviously ridden her national championships a couple of weeks before in mm. the USA. Mm. Mm. Yeah. As do all the Aussies who ridden their national championships back in January in the height of summer, yes. um, if you are Antipodean. Indeed, and also the off season if you're a pro cyclist. So, well, not um, if you're an Australian cyclist, dear. Well, the Aussies, ride, the Aussies are tougher; they ride year round. It's kind of the off season, really, really, not, really. Seriously, the really. way those women race—holy shit! If that's the off season, yeah, exactly. No, because it's it's interesting. Actually, I think I really I, what must be very interesting about that is because with the Aussies. You've got the um, domestic team, the domestic squad, who mm. it is the season, isn't it? Like, like well, they've just got they come out of a series of races and they go into a series of races. So they're all keyed up for some really strong... Um, it's actually one of the really, really interesting things. I think um, it's just my impression, but I think particularly in the last 
couple of years, the the national racing series, the the NRS and and the other um, key races, like the domestic racing scene has really kicked up a level. That's that's my opinion, mm. but I I think it certainly has. And so I think I think in the past there was a, a sort of not an unwritten rule, but it was just one of those things where a lot of our our pros who were living and working in Europe would come back and sort of. Um, it would be, you know, like intense training, but not quite competitive level racing. And now it's like coming back and like, holy fuck, you've really got to work if you want to win here. <laughs> yeah, but I like. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some. There's something. Well, I I still think you're referring to just the men, but um, <laughs> there is something. There is something very interesting as well because your where your nationals and early season races are means that you can get riders like like Kimberly Wells who can be picked up by teams. So, so Kimberly Wells is now racing in the USA because mm. of her fantastic early season crits and winning the crit, national crit championships and stuff. Yeah. You know, I like that. I like that because it means teams can just have a look at riders and think, okay, yeah, she's pretty damn good. And then... Well, it, know, it's, it, it's very interesting, I mean, because of that, absolutely. But, I mean, there's a couple of things that, that sort of happen around that time too because it's also a little bit busier in terms of track. And as you know, like uh, very similar to British cycling... Uh, in terms of formal setup and support, particularly through the AIS system, we're a bit track biased. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is the combination of those national titles, but also I think there's probably a couple of key track world cups that happen around that sort of start of the year time that yeah. do mean that there are opportunities for riders to turn heads and cement positions on teams or to create opportunities for themselves and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because, like, you know, all of those early season critty, critty races, you know, you're only mm. turning left races and stuff that are really good for, that, that could, should, could be really good for the trackies. And it doesn't seem to hurt them either. I mean, you see a rider like Nettie Edmondson or, mm. you know, Mel Hoskins or something who's been riding, you know, Nettie was riding track for the Olympics. Yep, yep. And, and she, then, was, she was riding track right through to, um, I think it was February was her last track mate. So, yeah, yeah, but she was also, you know, but it doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to hurt them. And I think that's because they have... I think it must be an advantage of having, you know, shorter races, shorter road races, both in terms of stages and distance and in terms of time. But there is some inbuilt time to have recovery, too, that means that you can be at the top of your game in, uh, you know, in, in, in a track and track mm. and also and also ride a fucking good road season, too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, there's there's certainly going to be I, I mean, I'm sure there's there's real you know, as in actual hard science around <laughs> how how that can be done effectively from a physical standpoint. But yeah. I'm also really interested in the the kind of interrelationship between things like um, uh, the sort of tactical and psychological aspects of track translating to the road because I think track's one of those things where there just has to be a, a much greater level of personal responsibility for your tactics and your performance in a race and yeah. um, and how that awareness translates to the road and the roles that the different riders can play on the road is something I think yeah. would be quite interesting too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So yeah. anyway, all of that has nothing to do with, um, you know, actual nationals that were going on no. in the last week. No, and, and there were so many nationals. I think there's been like about 27 road racers and 25 ITT champs this week. Mm. So we're not going to talk about all of them. And that was just in, uh, that, uh, that was just in the Netherlands. It's, um, <laughs> seriously, the start list for the Dutch national championships are ridiculous. <laughs> oh, there's, there's, I mean, 
yeah, there was. Well, what we'll do is we'll put a link on our site to the inner ring has a rundown of all the men and women's road champions and podium cafe virtual director sportif page has got a rundown of all the women's itt and road race championship champions so uh-huh. you can go to those and have a look at them and and see who won who won everything and we'll also put any videos that we find that we haven't talked about on our blog prowomenscycling.com and i might put up a separate blog post actually of of videos from national championships just to you know just to kind of keep things yeah i think i think that's uh, not a bad idea a nicely compartmentalized national championships uh, story of its own yeah 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 so the ones i wanted to talk about were well i want to start with one of the biggest because there's no question the two biggest and most competitive nationals are dutch and italian yeah and australian that wasn't this week dear and australian okay and australian yes Australian, yes, yep. always, always the and, best. And um, not English. <sighs> <laughs> it's just worth it to hear you roll your eyes. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there isn't even an English national championship. I know. Anyway, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> God, this is the man who could have gone to two women's races this week and decided not to. It's not that I decided not to. He was in the neighbourhood. He just couldn't be asked. Oh. <laughs> I'm editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you better not, you bastard. Um, so the two biggest ones are the Dutch and the Italians. And they're both on that live on TV, actually. I was, you know, I, we got to watch the Dutch championships on, on Dutch channel. I can't say it's in Dutch. L1, um, whatever that is in Dutch. Um, it's a local channel. It's the Limburg region. And they mm. love their cycling. And they, you know, had the worlds there last year. Very hilly race, the Dutch. But it was, um, it's also an interesting race because you think, well, who's going to win? Well, Mariana Voss. Most of the Rabobank Live Giant team are Dutch. And yep. you've got in that team, you've got um, the 2012 National Championship, Annemiek van Vleuten, a champion Annemiek van Vleuten. You've got young riders like Talita de Jong, sprinters like Iris Slappendale, uh, Lucinda Brand, who's a fantastic climby domestique. So what um, you're saying yes. is that they're really short on people who could win this championship. <laughs> but the thing, and they've got Mariana Voss. But the thing is, is... You wonder, will Voss ride for the national champion jersey or not? Because while she does like winning, it's kind of a bit pointless for her to win the national champion jersey when she's wearing the world champion jersey. Mm, mm. Because um, well, not because just not she... just that, but as you point out, most of her teammates are also Dutch, so there's a certain amount of um, uh, I'm not sure the right way to phrase it, but opportunity, I guess for her to support one of her teammates in yeah. in quite an achievement, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, we saw this we saw this with Luce Hunnewijk a couple of years ago when Luce won the when Luce was riding for Nederland Blue alongside Voss. And Luce had been out solo all race and then at the end of the race Voss sprinted out of the group and caught Luce and then didn't contest the final sprint. Mm. And actually I thought that was a really good thing. It was like, it's, it's, it's a nice thing. You know, you can have these discussions about was it a gifted win, and it's not so much a gifted win, more a recognition 
Yeah, you know? yeah. But this is a well, and because she she'd done all the hard work as well, you know. Exactly. And, and actually, interestingly too, it's one thing that I think not enough people comment on tactically is that if Voss had stayed with the chase group, their motivation to chase would not have diminished. Um, yeah. Whereas because she she bridged she's already there so they know if they chase across she's just going to attack and leave them all behind so yeah. so at that point they lose their motivation to to chase you know now yeah. obviously that's I, contingent on distance to finish and all that sort of stuff but but that's my personal view on on that particular finish yeah i mean and and last year um van vluten went for it and and you know but i think it's a nice it's a nice thing about Voss. it's also i mean it's good for the team it's much better for the team as well isn't it to have Voss in the rainbow jersey and someone else in the netherlands champions jersey well not just that but i think it's also good for dutch cycling you know um yeah and and it's one of those things that that um dutch cycling it's really easy to forget because it's so strong and there are so many fantastic riders from the netherlands um that you don't just arrive at that by accident. Like, you have yeah. to create, encourage, and support and nurture an environment where riders can really perform and excel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. one of the key things to do that is for people to have genuine opportunities to win the really big things. So, yeah. yeah. And, and also for people to see them because, you know, the cameras are going to... Voss is like a famous person in the Netherlands. Mm. She's a properly famous international sports star in the Netherlands. I mean, why the fuck wouldn't she be? She did. She's amazing and a fabulous person too. So that so Voss being there gets the publicity. And then that publicity spreads to, to you know, to, to Luce or to Annemiek or whatever. So, but this race, so you start out with the weight of Rabobank having, you know, being very, being very strong. But the other riders, then you've got like riders, it's Kirsten Veal's first race back since she broke her shoulder. Hurrah in the Omelette van Borsle. Hurrah, hurrah, Kirsten. I'm really happy she's back. Um, so you've got people like Kirsten Veal and Adri Visser who are sprinters who you're thinking, well, this course, it's, it's laps. It's, it's laps. It's got a, it's an eight kilometer circuit. It's got a big hill on it. That's not really good for them. But you had Luce Hunnewijk, you had the Sengers riders, Vera Kuaduda, Anna van der Breggen, and you had um, other riders. You had Chantal Bluck from Tipco, and you also had Ellen van Dijk. Yes. Ellen had won the time trial championship. I mean, Ellen's just on fire this, this year. She's had to step up. I think, you know, when Evie and Ina were both out injured, she stepped up. But she'd also had an amazing last year with the being so strong and so fantastic in the Olympics, you know, she's, it's so good to see her blossom and to change as a rider. And remember that she's still only about 25, you know, it's, 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 she's, yeah. So Ellen. So ridiculously, embarrassingly, painfully young. (laughs) (sighs) So the race had started off and I think at about kilometre 14 of 114 kilometres, Lucinda Brand from Radobank had, had gone out solo. And there was an interesting chase group behind her because I think, and, and it's great to be able to watch this on TV because Carl Lima and, no, not Carl Lima, Richie Steege, the Bowles Dolman's mechanic, was tweeting updates before. And you rock up and you're watching it. And every time they go over the hill, so, so there's a group of riders, every time they go over the hill, the rubber banks attack. And every time they get to the flat bits, which are good for riders like Ellen, they slack off and make the, um, you know, make the riders who are good for that do the chasing. Mm-hmm. So you're, bit, you're pretty crushed because, you know, going uphill and Ellen, um, Anna Meek and Marianne attack. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, when you're trying to get your breath back, if you want to keep the chase going, 
<laughs> yeah, there's my arm sitting on the front, soft pedaling. If you, you know, you've got to kind of do yeah, the work too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so if you were hoping that you could relax, uh, guess what? It's your turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it worked really, really well because there were all sorts of riders staying with them while Lucinda was out front, and they catch and catch and drop. But basically, they just dropped everyone, and Vera Kuaduda was there, and all sorts of riders were there, and it was going really, really well. And finally, they were down to Lucinda on the penultimate lap. Lucinda Brand out ahead with about forty-five seconds, and behind her, Annemiek, Marianne, and Ellen. Not a bad group. Uh, and Ellen, of course, is the only rider, only non-rider, non-rabo rider there. Every other non-rabo rider has been shelled. And then on the penultimate, on the hill, on the penultimate climb, Ellen's bike just fucks. <laughs> Which isn't really what you want to have happen, but actually, weirdly, has been a little bit of a theme of this weekend of nationals, hasn't it? So yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it, fuck Dan, fuck, fuck Dan. Fuck. Oh, sorry, we're on a downswing again. <sighs> What was interesting was you saw them, they both looked back and they saw that Ellen Ellen stops, her bike's kind of gone, <clears throat> she gets back on the bike, some guy pushes her up the hill to kind of get her started again, and Marianne and Annemiek have actually, have, are, are riding quite gently up the top of the hill. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they're, they... They're sporting. And that was a, yeah, they are sporting. And, you know, although they want to drop the fuck out of Ellen later... Mm, mm. They don't want to drop it that way. And, you know, they want it to be an all-Rabobank podium. Yeah. They yeah. don't want it to be that way because yeah. that's just not right. No. Anyway. Um, I, I mean, I, again, we've talked about this before, but it, it does go to the heart of what competitive people want. You know, they want to beat other competitors. They don't want to win through circumstance. They, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then, poor, and then, then they saw that Ellen's bike just wasn't playing, so they just shot off because, you know, mm. okay. Um, well, what what and, can you do at that point? But yeah, and, and poor Ellen because she doesn't have because it's just neutral service. Mm. She's out there pretty much solo for her team. You know, the, there's no, there's, but you know, she's not got the team car supporting her because there are other, you know, there's other races where special, you know, specialized riders are this, you know, are this weekend and that day. So she's just standing by the side of the road, watching them not be able to fix her fucking bike, watching other people go past her, really, really unhappy. I was surprised the cameraman didn't get a punch in the face, to be honest. But mm. I think she was more gutted than homicidal. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And then, and then she gets in the car and has to go home, and it's like, oh. And then everyone's wondering, well, what are the Rabos going to do? Because Lucinda Brand's out by herself, and now, and she's been out by herself for around a hundred kilometres, you mm. know. Mm. And you've got Annemiek and Marianne who can ride really 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 well together yeah yeah and who, who realistically her? could chase her down and and then contest yeah because because two riders riding together and you know they've been they've basically been playing oh I love watching Mariana Mariana attack because it's all those little moments where when you're when they're in a small group when they were burning off the other riders you'd have Mariana um just attack up I and mean, you know she climbs really it's not the most elegant climbing you've ever seen you know she's really pulling her bike backwards and forwards and you know but watching her those little attacky digs and then there was one where when they're on the flat and and Amiga dropped back and Mariana was having so having a snack and Annemiek just goes zoom up the side <laughs> and it's just like shit ah! and, you know, so yeah. because everyone games. everyone had taken a deep breath and gone oh cool she's having a snack we can wait <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh fuck no yeah. what but 
you also know that that, that, that Mariana and Anamique, I mean, do you remember that, that blog the other week about chasing sprinting for road signs? Yes. About how deeply, deeply competitive they are. Yep, yep. <laughs> so they're riding and riding and they're kind of getting closer to Lucinda, but they're not really riding their hearts out, you know. And then they're coming into the final bit and Lucinda Brown crosses the line, exhausted. She's done a hundred kilometer solo breakaway. Last year she was on the podium, um, her and Anamique and Marianne, um, no, not Marianne, her, yeah, her, her, maybe it was her and Anamique and Mariana, but she was riding for a different team. This week, this year she's on the podium. She's ridden a solo all by herself and she's won. And I think you can see that as soon as Mariana and Ellen can say, and, and I sorry, as soon as Mariana and Anamique can tell that she's won, they just start killing each other. <laughs> it's like, go. Um, and there's something beautiful about watching, watching the end of that race because Voss, she's one of those riders where she can be go. She goes into a corner with Van Vleuten on her wheel and she comes out of the corner like two bike lengths ahead mm, mm. she yeah. just gets faster through the corners it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it's kind of like a science fiction movie or something and it's like a normal person going through this corner here but this is where she tore a hole in the the, the fabric of time and space and, <laughs> and leapt forward she could only go a bike length at a time but she did it three times in this corner <laughs> So Voss came second, Van Vluten third, all Rabobank, Rabobank domination, Rabo domination. Um, and I'm really happy for Lucinda Brand. Mm. She's a really awesome, awesome, strong. Well, and she, you know, I'm what? partial. I'm partial to victories for riders who have spent um, a long time out on their own. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and then we can insert or because brand in Dutch fire, so insert all the Lucinda brand was on fire jokes. Oh yeah. no, puns are wrong, Sarah. Puns are just always wrong, always. Um, in Germany, so where were the other specialised Lululemons? Well, Trixie Warwick and Lisa Brenauer were racing in Germany, and uh, Trixie won, which was awesome because that was her first race back from uh, the. After she broke her collar, after she broke her collarbone, so hurrah for Trixie! Um, one not, of my not a bad job riders. that is it coming back from uh, from injury and winning your national championship. Yeah, and there's a really cute photo that Ellen Van Dyke tweeted of um, of Trixie having jumped on Lisa's back, begin give her piggyback cheering itself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Over in Sweden, now that was an interesting race. Um, Emma Johansson has been the Swedish national champion and Emma was out solo, but she was being chased by a group of, well, everyone. Yeah, um, exactly. I was, I was just about to ask how you were going to narrow that down. It was like she was out in front and then there was the group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, she was, so, so there she is and she's been raced by people like Madeleine Olsen and Sarah Olsen and Sarah Mustanen and Jessica Kilbourne and Amelia Farleen. Amelia Forleen has been the uh, road national road champion before. She won in uh, 2008, and she really benefited from the rivalry between Emma Johansson and Suzanne, and I apologise, Swedes, for pronouncing this wrong, Suzanne Lungskog. See, this is amazing to me. In 2008, what was she, 14 back then? She must have been, actually. Let's have a look at Amelia Forleen. So, Amelia Forleen was born in 1998, so she was 19. Holy shit. Wow. That's okay. Amelia Forleen was the youngest pro- Swede ever to get a pro contract, male or female. Okay. Um, yeah. 
so um because she she actually got one at age um 17 with t-mobile amazing amazing which would have been um oh no 18 maybe mm. which was uh became i have a theory i have a theory about amelia um because yeah. i've never met her and don't know her at all but i have this theory. i met her yes yes and i was hoping that you She's might be able to i thought oh, wow okay I thought you, you might be able to validate this theory or not because uh, this is what I was going to comment on. Everyone's like, you know, she's pretty and she's got this great smile and all that sort of stuff. I think she secretly got the heart of an assassin. I think you know I think she's actually... I think that smile hides a killer's instinct. That's what I think. I think she has a killer instinct on the bike, but she's absolutely lovely and friendly and even prettier in real life than in her pictures and funny and, yeah... Cool. I, I like I yeah I, I recommend Amelia Farlene to all of you who are thinking of who can I support this year I'll I'll add add her to your virtual teams because she is awesome <laughs> I actually I actually was hoping that you were going to end that sentence with I would recommend Amelia Farlene as someone to add to your list of girls that you're afraid to talk to at parties but <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to say girls you're stalking <laughs> <laughs> well according to you that's anyone I've ever talked to ever. So no, that's flirting, Dan. You flirt with all the ladies. You say that you say the same things about both of those actions. You seem to make no distinction between flirting and stalking. So, hmm. Hmm. Uh, I actually think I need a new personal life coach. (laughs) (laughs) If you think you can do a better job at life coaching, Dan, than me, then email us at at prowomencycling at gmail.com with your suggestions for what Dan would do. Unfortunately, (laughs) Dan is not the kind of boy who'd promise to do them, which is really terribly disappointing. Yeah, Yeah. disclaimer, Dan's going to ignore all your suggestions. (laughs) Seriously, send your suggestions in. Oh, I want Panda, I want Saw Panda to draw some suggestions for what he should do with his life. (laughs) Dissect it. He should so so listen to. He should so listen to my advice, people. He never does. Never does. I would gladly. Um, anyway, I would gladly settle. So, I would gladly settle all disputes with a sword fight. So Emma Johansson was out solo, and I'm a big fan of Emma. But I was reading her blog, um, her blog about the race on Orica AIS, and. <laughs> She has some comments where she's kind of implying that it's terribly unfair because they all caught her and then no one else works with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a technical term for that. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm, it may translate differently in Swedish. But I'm pretty sure that that is uh, called being the strongest rider in the race. I thought you were going to say that's called cycling. <laughs> that too. So, yeah, so there's Emma. Um, so they're riding, 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 and it ends in a bunch of sprint, photo finish, and Amelia Forlean wins <laughs> for high tech products UCK. And much as I am a big, big fan of Emma Johansson and Green Edge um, Orica, I'm really pleased about this because this means we can get rid of, you know, the Swedish national champions jersey used to be one of the classiest and best and most gorgeous in the peloton. It's really simple. You just take the Swedish flag blue with the yellow cross and you just slap it all over the front of the jersey just blue yellow cross all over the front of the jersey simples it's like well, it's it's, it's, like the... it's the simple thing in the world because basically what you do is you make the jersey blue and then you put the yellow cross on it and job done you know and let's, you put the let's, stuff in the middle of it if let's, you have to have stuff in the middle let, let's it's go like have a pint you know it's like, yeah it's like the swiss champions jersey 
you take your red jersey, you slap a white cross on it. It looks you, beautiful. And then you go to the pub. It, it's really, really fucking simple. But this goes back to, I think I know where you're going. You're, you're going to say that you were less than um, thrilled with the, the Orica AIS design. I was less than thrilled with the Orica AIS take. Mm. I'm sorry, Orica. I'm sorry, Aussie. Which goes, no, it goes thrilled. back to my theory. I don't know why this is, but I have this theory, and I'm, I'm eager to be proven wrong, but I have this theory that Australians just can't design jerseys. I, I, I have no... I, I, you know what? I'm just in a, in, a, in a leap of logic. Just bear with me here. I'm going to blame it on our surfing culture. We're so used to designing cool shit for surfing that, um, but but that doesn't translate to cycling at all. That we just fuck it up when it comes to cycling. But I think I think it's also because you kind of the the Aussie approach. I mean, to be honest, I was going to disagree with you, and then I remembered the Jayco AIS kit. Exactly. This is what. Oh I'm saying. my god! It actually has a kangaroo and a swift on it, and it's still uh, fugly. Yes, to put it kindly. Oh my god! But yeah, I think it's. But I don't get it because on on the track, yeah. When Alan, I mean, I do love your track national kit because you rock out. There's Anna Mears. She's wearing all white and she's got the green and gold. And yeah, it's beautiful. But, well, yeah, except that you know, white. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. Yeah, I know. I, I take it. Out. Our green and green and gold is is you know a pretty simple equation for us, and yet we still fuck that up because. You know, I, I actually think it's federation rules that it's just got to be that, that band of green and gold. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. It looks really good on the track, but you take that to the road and it just looks awkward. So, yeah, I I just, I maintain, I, I, I am eager. Please send us, you know, forget life advice for me. Send us examples of well-designed Australian jerseys because I'm, I'm really keen to be proven wrong on this. <laughs> Is it any sport? Oh, no, we do okay in our, in our various codes of football, yeah. So it is, it is I mean specifically cycling jerseys. We, we, can't, we can't design cycling jerseys for okay. shit. Now, so, mm. another thing I was, another Nationals which relates to Aussie land is the British Championships. And bear with me, there is an esoteric that... link. Okay, no. all right. No, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, all right, hand over the mouth, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested in what you have to say. Please go ahead. <laughs> so the British National Championships took place this year in Glasgow. And that's where the Commonwealth Games are going to play, take place next year on the same circuit. So um, interesting because you've got all the, all the domestic teams um, racing. Then you've got our pros. And the pros include um, Lucy Garner, who was the solo rider for Argo Shimano. You've got... Uh, Lizzie Armitstead and Emma Trott writing for Bowles Dolmans and you've got pretty much you've got Amy Roberts Joanna Roussel Danny King Laura Trott probably someone else Eleanor Barker writing for uh, Wiggle Honda yeah mm-hmm. so by the numbers this should be a Wiggle win mm-hmm. but it's attritional it's lovely Lizzie Armitstead solos away wins yeah mm-hmm. hurrah Lizzie Lizzie's a world champion, uh, national champion for the second time, um, super happy. And then in the afternoon, Mark Cavendish won on the same circuit. In so the women's those... race, that seems a little odd. No, the men race too. Did you know men race bikes too? What? I Why? know. That's stupid. I know. Why but... would you want to watch them? I don't. And 
So I was tweeting afterwards that I was quite interested in this because although it was a hilly course, both the men's and the women's was won by tough sprinters. And someone else said, oh, God, you can't say that because that just implies it's going to be a really, it's a really boring course. And I was like, no, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm coming from a women's cycling perspective. <laughs> I just assume that means 25 million attacks and it's yeah. really exciting right up to the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas the men, it's like 200 kilometers of anxiety of, oh, fuck, how do we stop Cav? How do we stop Cav? And then they don't. Um, yeah. whereas women's yeah. cycling it's like well fuck it you know i what would ina say i'd rather die trying <laughs> <laughs> but the reason it has an aussie connection of course mm. is because commonwealth games next year mm. who do we know who's a tough sprinter who might do well on that kind of course could it be every Australian because I mean it's going to be really hard to beat you guys next year because you've got you're going to have Tiffany Cromwell for the um, long range attacks and the mm-hmm. hilly climbs and you're going to have Chloe Hosking for mm-hmm. the bunch mm-hmm. it is actually going to be really interesting to see uh, it, I'm curious to see how the teams like the national teams play that out tactically because um I mean, I think I think you guys have got a couple of options as well, but it, no, it no. is going to be really interesting to see how it goes versus you know that long range attack versus a, a sprint versus a small bunch versus a yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a feeling it's actually probably going to play out a lot more like the the London Olympics did than than yeah. we than may that. originally I mean, yes. think. Yeah, but it was also particularly interesting because both Armistead and Cav were going out pretty much solo mm. against a big t- a, a team with a lot of numbers. Yeah. In Armistead's case, Wiggle, and in Cav's case, Sky, of course. Well, can, and that was, can, and can, so can you really right, say? So, can you really say? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, sorry, it's one of those ones that's always tricky about nationals and and worlds and stuff, isn't it? Because you you know there's a certain amount of assumption about um trade team loyalties and stuff but it's yeah well nationals they do basically i mean i i, I think it's very funny when you have like so a couple of, so when lizzie armit said won the national jersey the first time um nicole cook was very very grumpy because cook had won the jersey three times at that point and sorry nine times at that point and this would be her 10th winner no she'd won it 10 times but nine times in a row and this would have been her 10th in a row and she was very excited to be heading out and winning it but she said after she afterwards got really really grumpy because she complained that lizzie armitstead emma pooley and sharon laws were right all riding together against her and it's terribly, terribly unfair because national championships shouldn't involve team loyalties. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nicole never complained about this when her teammates rode for her against other people in previous years. But yeah, it's um, funny, yeah. funny how that goes. Entirely dependent on which side of the equation you happen to be on at that point in time. Well, this is this is a bit like Emma Johansson saying, "Oh, they all rode against me." Yep. Well, yes. Yes. yes, they did, Emma. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I'd love to. I'd love to. They made me do all the work. I'd love to see the interview actually with any any cyclist where that was the response. <laughs> they all wrote against me. Yes, yes, they did. Do you think they were wrong to do that? <laughs> Should they have gifted you the win? <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. So yeah. Um, 
now we're on to the slightly ranting portion of the of the hour, dear people. Uh, as, which a, I apologize. as opposed to the rest. <laughs> this is where we get slightly depressed. So in the French national championships, it was quite interesting because the winner was a um, French national, which was shocking to start with. The winner was Elise Delzen. Now, Elise Delzen had been a junior French champion and she'd given up her cycling career to, 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 to do her engineering degree because, you know, there's no money in French cycling. There's no money for women in French cycling. And so she only returned to the sport in 2012 and basically she works a full-time job. She stopped racing for four years between 20 and 24 and she said, and the bike missed me. And so she tried to win and she was the best. And she out-sprinted some really strong riders. You know, it was um, Orde Bianic and Christelle Ferrier-Bruno and Pauline ferran Prevot and, you know, all these really strong riders that, yeah, that yeah. you know, that, that were that there. And... And she won, and that's awesome. She won in a she won two seconds ahead of Amelie Rivat, and that was great that she won. And but oh, and it was also great because there was a rider I thought was actually dead, but like the um like dead professionally, but like the undead keeps rising. She just needs a metaphorical cycling state to her heart. But luckily, although Jeannie Longo started the race, she didn't finish it. <laughs> Please, Jeannie, stop riding your bike. Loving kisses, Sarah. <laughs> That's got to be the meanest Peloton love letter you've ever said. <laughs> you know what? You know, I don't. there aren't that many mean Peloton love letters I'd send, but, you know, Jeannie Longo, yeah, top of the list. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, not top of the list, but, you know, it, joint there. top of the list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well. But poor Delzan. So afterwards she was interviewed and she was asked if she'd like to go to the World Championships in September because, you know, she qualifies for it. But she says she might, doesn't be. She's an engineer responsible for the quality in a large laundry in Soissons. I don't have many days off. And if I take leave without pay, I own no money. And in addition, I get behind in my work. I like the bike, but it's not what earns my living. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. And this this reminds me. I mean, I'm I'm in three minds at the moment because we've talked about cycling fundraisers before. So um, the Spanish team, Biscaya Durango, did a really big fundraiser where they sold things and they basically f- raised twenty grand so that they could go and ride the Giro Donna. Mm. And then last week we put up the. Um, cry from brianna waller who's an american cyclist she's really cool she came third in the nature valley itt even though she'd fucked her derailleur halfway through the race mm, mm. could only yeah. ride in the little ring yeah 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 i mean she was spinning at, at um i haven't actually seen the the srm file but she was spinning at 300 and something rpm it was crazy <laughs> she said that she had a choice between either spinning or Putting her hand down and trying to pull the, you know, pull the, pull the, pull the chain yeah. over manually. So, yeah. she, you know, so Brianna Waller did a uh, had to do a fundraiser because she got the call up for the Giro Rosa to ride with Team USA, mm-hmm. but she had to raise a load of cash to get there. Yeah, she had to pay her own travel. And yeah. now we've got, um, you know, now we've got Elise uh, Elise Delzen who basically can't afford to go to Worlds because she's. You know, you like because she can't. You know, because she'd have to take time off work, and, mm, mm. and you're like, I just. Well, I it's mean, it's, it's something about the tipping point of the sport, isn't it? Because you know, this is this is like not to 
diminish or demean the position of anybody, but but this is a tipping point that traditionally in any other sport sits between the pro and amateur levels. This is a pro-am problem. You know, yeah. this isn't a problem that you expect to see at the professional national championship and above kind of level, you know. You don't yeah. expect to see a rider going to the biggest... Uh, professional stage race for that sport in the world uh, having to fundraise to to pay their way there you don't expect to see the national champion of a major cycling nation uh to have to seriously question whether or not they will actually be able to represent their country at worlds because they can't afford the time off work these are yeah. these are these are not the kinds of problems that you expect from a sport that is ostensibly earmarked as a professional sport, um, and yeah. and it's a question not of uh, you know and we actually when you when you posted um, the the story about Team USA uh, we got a comment from someone who was like you know it's you're being a bit unfair and blaming the national federation um, I personally didn't read your comments that way but just to clarify I I. I don't think it's a problem with national federations. I think it's a problem with the structure of, of women's cycling overall at the moment, that these boundaries are not marked well, if at all, and not supported well from the UCI on down. And it's why I spend a certain amount of time banging on about governance and administration and actually building the sport in a sustainable way, because these aren't, as I said, problems that I would expect or consider acceptable in you know, quote-unquote, professional sport. Uh, no, you see, I disagree. I do disagree with you. I'm yeah. surprised. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm am uh, shocked and amazed. All right, go but on. But I disagree with you because I do think it is a problem with um, national federations, actually, because, I, A, no one is forcing Team USA to go to the... to go to the... to go to, ne to, go to the... Um, Jerosa, uh, and while the while the while the lovely person, um, I agree. I agree with her on the one hand that it's good that that they're sending their athletes, but on the other hand, I don't think it's right that that national teams get to compete in the biggest races in the world. I just don't. I think they should be encouraging American team. You know, the national federation, the British federation, should be encouraging. You know, a uh, team. Low, you know, teams to get teams to actually come from their countries right, to go to, to build so professional, professional teams. Yeah, but also, yeah. I think that the top level races, a, a one point one, or, you know, a one point one or a two point one UCI race, should be about the professionals. It shouldn't be about. Much as I adore the Australian cycling model of you know bringing over a team of riders who are you know who have, aren't yet ready to commit mm. to doing mm. a whole year in Europe, I and you know, and I understand that you know USA and. And Canada and and uh, and Australia and all the South you know South Africa and all the yep. South American countries have it harder than the Europeans, but I still don't think that you know that, that, that they have a place there. And then if they are going, they should fund the whole fucking caboodle. They should they should fund the whole caboodle. You know it shouldn't be a case. So Brianna Waller raised um, her. I mean it was great because in, within twenty four hours she's raised like double what she was asking for i think you know and it was mm. a really good thing and people came together and whether people could donate one you know ten dollars or a hundred pounds you know it was a lovely thing but i'm so frustrated dan yeah so no, frustrated and, and the thing is you, we're not actually disagreeing with each other it's just i didn't explicitly say um 
that I think the problem carries down, but it, it does definitely carry down through national federations and that. But that that's actually what my point was that it goes from all all the way from the top down. That that yeah. structures at every level aren't in place to properly support. But also, I think you've touched on the other thing that's a real a real issue in this whole thing, which is the you know and. This is when I go right back to when we first started this podcast and started talking about these things. This is basically the first thing that you and I both said that were were like, this is the number one fundamental problem that at the moment, the definition of what is a professional team it just doesn't really exist, you know. Yeah. Um, and and what's a professional race? What's a top tier race? Doesn't really exist. And these yeah. things aren't aren't you know, well explained or well, you know, they're not consistent, they're not explored, they're not supported, and, you know, it's fundamentals, it's the absolute basics, but to to start, you know, let's define those things, put those standards in place, and this is, you know, the extension of this argument is the whole, you know, minimum wage and women's cycling and, and all of those sorts of things as well, because if you're going to be a professional team, then these are the standards you must meet in order to be considered yeah. a professional team. Otherwise, you're a pro-conti team or a semi-pro team or a pro-am team yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah. the fuck we want to call it, but you're not a professional team. And, you know, yeah, yeah so absolutely, I, I agree. Mm. Yeah. So sorry to disappoint. I'll, I'll disagree with you next time. Okay, that's all right. Good. Mm, cool. So, um... Mm. Uh, so on uh, continuing, I guess now on depressing nationals. Uh, yeah, depressing nationals. Yeah. Oh, oh the, uh, yeah. So the depressing nationals continues with. Oh, the other thing. The other thing I do want to say is, I mean, obviously, Team US, USA Cycling are. Well, I'm annoyed with them for this. They're still doing a fucking good job. You know, they got their. What was interesting this weekend was seeing which nationals were televised and how people showed it. So at the top end, you have the Netherlands and Italy, where it's shown live on TV and streamed, yeah? Yeah. So you can watch it anywhere, um, with the Netherlands being un-geo-restricted, the Italians being geo-restricted, but, you know, hey, there's ways around that. Um, and then you kind of come down a level, and you have then you have come down a level, but not a very far level, to the fantastic USA, who had it on Tour Tracker. Yes, Really, really fucking good commentary, amazing commentary, amazing stats. So, you know, so you go Italy and, Italy and the Netherlands at the top and then a tiny, tiny step down to the USA, yeah? Yeah, at well, I mean, basically that's the podium, isn't it? First, second, third. Yeah, that's the know, podium. Yeah, with, with a photo yeah. finish between all positions, so. But, yeah, yeah. then you, and, you know, you can argue about, you know, and obviously as an English speaker, the um, having an English commentary is good for me. Then you come down to places like Sweden, where they have a live ticker and also it would go through to the old radio coverage. So you've got this live ticker open somewhere on your computer and suddenly Swedish starts coming out of your computer. <laughs> Hang on, you only get that during races? I get that all the time. That's just the voices in your head, dear. Well, the main voice in my head is you, so... <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah, well, why do you think I work so hard to ignore it all the time? God, you don't obey it. It's so unfair. <laughs> Your life Look, is... What Sarah really wants, what was what Sarah really, really, really wants for for Christmas is a robot. <laughs> no, no, no. What I really, really want for Christmas or my birthday is for Dan to just go one week. All I'm asking is one week out of your life where you let me, where you follow my advice. I would imagine suicide by day two. 
seriously, your life at the end of the week will be fantastic. Well, yes, I'd be dead. Why won't people like give me complete complete control over their lives and things? It's so unfair. It, it's probably Why does no one trust me. It's probably how excited you sound when you demand it. <laughs> Not ask for it, demand it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, after you've got the podium, you then come to say yes. So then you have the Swedish radio and the ticker, which is fantastic and brilliant and, you know, really good. And I'm not the only one with ticker. And there's, you know, we, there's various other people. So, you know, we can see the French time trial champions on the news and stuff like that. And then you get to Britain and British cycling, one of the most, most richest feds. Yeah, I, mean, I know they're going to be it's going to be on. There's an hour long program on TV tonight. But their approach was to do some sporadic tweeting. Mm mm. I don't understand why. Well, yeah, why no, I you do. Try to get interested. In I do. Fucking no, I understand exactly why. Because Brian Cookson says people aren't interested in women's cycling, which is why there's no information about women's cycling. Anyway, so now we come to the deeply, deeply depressing part of the story. Well, one of the many deeply depressing parts of the story: Italian national championships. So I'd say the Italians are actually the hardest to win, yeah? Yeah. Uh, they have loads of, you have loads of um, women, loads and loads of women's teams. Um, when Monia Bacaile won in 2009 and then 2010, she was the first rider to win two years in a row for um, over 20 years. Oh, shit. I didn't realize. I knew it was like over 10. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, yeah. She's really, really long. It's a really hard one to win. It's got, a, it's got lots and lots of teams. You've got, and you've got riders from pro teams against riders from, from pro Italian teams against riders from domestic teams. And mm. yeah, it's really, it's, a really t it's really, really tough. And there's some really shit hot Italian riders out there. And one of them is Arthur. <laughs> One of our, our favourite. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just uh, I had a, a minor mental explosion at, at you just you know throwing in there blithely. There are some really shit hot Italian riders out there, and then I realised that you're actually talking about their ability to ride bikes, not just yeah. Anyway, so Moving oh, on. you meant you thought that was <laughs> really shit, comma hot riders. Well, I was yeah, I was I was I meant shit hot hyphenated, but you know emphasis on the word hot. So yeah, but anyway. Oh. <laughs> this is why you should let me run your life and you wouldn't just imagine these things these things would happen to you no they wouldn't <laughs> your fantasy life is far more rich and varied than mine I am too scared. Dear listener, I don't know anything about Dan's fantasy life. It's a bit scary. Um, I don't know anything about Sarah's either, except that it is more varied and diverse than mine. <laughs> so, um, the Italian Championships. And I've got to admit, I was a bit, I was a bit partisan in this. I wanted Elisa Longo Borghini to win. And, yeah, as as and her virtual then... DS, I, I also wanted her to win, so... And this was supposed to be, you know, because then she could go into the Giro Rossa in the leader's jersey. And, and in amazing form and all sorts of awesomeness and brilliance and readiness to dominate and win everything. Yes. Mm. But. And then, but it was a very rainy, wet race. She slipped on the rose. She crashed. Mm. Um, she went 
under a road barrier that cuts her stomach up and she's fractured her hip and she's out of the Giro Rosa and yeah. maybe out for the season. Quite and possibly the season, yeah, which is a far. terrible, terrible result. And Elisa, we're really sorry for you and wish you the absolute best and speediest and, and yeah. most whole recovery possible. Yeah, um, the race was won by Dalia Mucchioli from uh, B Pink, with Georgia Bronzini in second and Elisa's teammate Rossella Ratto in third. But mm, mm. I'm gutted, gutted, beyond gutted for Elisa. And this means, what does it mean for the Giro Rosa? Well, I there's something I'd only just discovered this week, Dan, but apparently it's been common knowledge for ages, which is Emma Johansson isn't riding the Giro. I know. Um, well, I know now. Uh, obviously, anyone who listened to our last podcast knows that I didn't know then. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I, I'm quite surprised. I mean, as you say, apparently it's been common knowledge for quite a while, but I... To, to be fair, it's basically my own fault because I just blithely assumed, you know, biggest stage Me race too. of the year and she's been on such great form, why the hell wouldn't she? You know, yeah. like, you, you, you'd you go. And, yeah. um, but apparently, no, it was never actually part of her her plan or apparently, calendar for yeah. the year. So, no. amazing. Um, and so we now don't have, so we have no Emma. Mm-hmm. And we have no Elisa. Mm. And we have no Emma Pooley. Emma Pooley last week uh, won the women's Swiss man, um, what's it called? Swiss man extreme triathlon, yeah, that, which is completely fucking bonkers. That it's crazy triathlon like, where you've got to swim like three kilometers under a glacier um, yeah, yeah, in, in one breath. and 3.8 kilometers in a fucking lake mm. in the outdoors in the mountains in Switzerland. Then you ride 180 kilometers um, on a, I'd say it's about 2,000 meter ascent in total, you know, like from, the, from the lowest point to the highest point. Mm. But it has like three major climbs and descents. Then yeah. you run for about a thousand and a half meters uphill up an alp and you have to do all of that wearing a backpack with an extra 30 kilos in it while breathing through a straw under a gas mask which personally i think is overkill given the altitude but that's well, it's yeah i just so emma won and she won by about half an hour mm. oh and, and they um they release bears at the start of the run so yeah. you're chased actually, by bears so she was only she was only like so the fifth man finisher she, Emma was only like one minute behind the fifth male finisher. Mm, mm. Crazy. I, just, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand those results. So, so no, Emma. And I think one of the things, one of the other things that, and you know, and obviously there's been no Ina. And one of the other things I've been looking at last week was Ina Yoko Teutenberg's blog on pelotonmagazine.com about healing, mm. which was really, really fucking. Yeah, th that was the interview with Heidi Swift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's and really, um... it, it was really interesting because it was more about the psychology of getting such a serious injury and having to wait. Um, and it's yeah. something it's something that actually with um, several of the writers that we've spoken to who've had injuries have talked about where one of the hardest things for them is this this desire to get back to the bike as quickly as possible and to, yeah. to push themselves. And, you know, because that's a natural part of competitive sport too is to push oneself, to, to try and go harder and, and further and, and, you know, hurt more and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but in terms of recovery from injury, that can actually be a real risk and in some cases can compound an injury. Uh, and yeah. in particular, well, because Ina had a, a head injury, you know, there's a lot more unknowns and uncertainty around that. So it was yeah. very interesting to read the uh, process isn't the right word, but like the, the experience that she's been through and how that's impacted her. Yeah. And this, so one of the things that jumped out was she was saying about how her team and everyone's been encouraging her not to race. And she says, um, if it was the Olympics in two months, then I would probably start riding and I would avoid listening to my body. But because it is the season it is, Christy and I made this decision together that we're not going to risk my health. I talked to lots of people who had really bad concussions and had tried to come back too early and it wasn't worth it. Some still had problems six months after or even a year after because they'd rushed it too much. Mm, mm. And she talks about how, so she, she crashed in... Um, she crashed out in February, I think it was, and it was, you know, and she's, and she talked, but what was, and she's, you know, she still says she can't read, and it still fucks her eyes, and yeah, she's like, and that was the thing really that was, hard. it was blowing me away, was, you know, how for like a month or six weeks or however long it was, she couldn't read anything, and now she can read like a newspaper or something for a couple of hours, but she can't read you know, a computer screen for more than like 15 yeah. minutes. And, and it's only recently that she's been able to travel in a car without feeling really sick and, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it, it highlights the significance of those sorts of injuries, but it also, I think the thing that was really revealing was, you know, all of those things like, like that bit that you just read about, you know, that, that, um, desire and, and sort of internal pressure to get back, um, as quickly as possible. Um, but also, I think the other thing that I really appreciated was her honesty about the depressive aspects of it, because I think yeah. I think that's a side of uh, elite sport and life in general that, that we tend socially to ignore somewhat, um, unless we're directly affected by it. You know, it's one of those sorts mm. of things that we're all sort of aware of but don't really want to talk about. Um, and I think it was you know, a really, really healthy and positive thing for, yeah. for Ina to be able to speak so honestly about that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, she's so, she's like, she doesn't pull any punches about herself either. And the other bit I wanted to read was the bit about her mental state and depression and athletes. Mm. So this is quite a long bit, so forgive me. Um, the crash was so bad, it slowed me down for the first time in 20 years and I couldn't run away anymore. So it was a good thing too. I had to face my demons a little bit in the last three months. We're all good af actors. Athletes are all good af actors. Because being weak is not a good thing to show to most of your opponents. But I really hit rock bottom. And I actually had to stay put in one place and ask for help, which I haven't done for a very long time. I wasn't at the best mental state before the crash to begin with, to start with. I've been fairly low because I wasn't super motivated and riding wasn't working. Normally I could always get on the bike or go for a walk with a dog when I had problems. But that stopped working. I was okay by the time I got to the races and I had the girls around and I think I would have been totally fine if I'd have been able to race the last few months. But because I had the crash, I really had to face all that stuff and I just had to work it out. I really had to look at myself and reflect. Even without going through injury, because you're living on such a pattern of up and down, I think nearly every athlete goes through a certain point of depression. It might be more severe with some than others, but you are always working up to a big event and then you have nothing afterwards for a while, so you are always kind of falling into a hole. Hmm. And I think that's possibly one of the most important and revealing things that we'll we'll have for quite a while in terms of the psychology of athletes. Um, yeah. You know, and I think there's all sorts of things. And please, 
understand precisely what I'm saying. I'm not drawing any direct parallels to Ina at all, but I think the truth of that, I think, is quite apparent, and the effects of that sort of impact in the life of almost every professional athlete or elite athlete, although the possibility of those sorts of effects in their life informs a lot of other behavior that we at times variously question or condemn or don't understand or admire and encourage and respect and want more of. And I think, you know, that's the really interesting thing is that, you know, and we've talked about this before, that that kind of thing that, that there's this really delicate balance. You know, we, we talked about it last, I think, in relation to, you know, eating disorders and the risk of that, um, you know, where the, the push and the pressure to be extremely successful and really motivated and dedicated and disciplined and do all the things, it's really a knife edge as to when that can tip into unhealthy, uh, you know, uh, outcomes and and yeah i I think this is a really interesting area of um, of human psychology and athlete psychology that bears a yeah. lot more investigation but amazing that it 's someone like Ina speaking i mean ina 's mm. known for being super strong you know we 're always joking about Ina and how strong and yeah. frightening she is and yeah. so for Ina to say, mm. I was depressed, I was avoiding from dealing you know I was avoiding mm. dealing with it, I yeah. had to deal with it. It hasn't been a hundred percent bad thing because I had to deal with my demons. I had yeah. to deal with my depression. That's so so important. It was like mm. when Voss, you know, when Voss said last, you know, last year about how she'd nearly spiraled out of control yeah. with, you know, with with, with, with things her, before uh, the with uh, before the Olympics mm, and, with her weight know, and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and her crash, her collarbone break turned mm. out to be a good thing. Mm. Like that's the other thing about it is that you know if you've got someone like Ina saying. I was depressed, I have depression, mm. I had to work on it, then that's... Well, know, it's an important lesson. That. It's an important lesson for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I very nearly made a glib joke about, you know, her demons must just be trying to hunt her down before she can get them. Um, you know, because, as you say, she's that tough and and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's why her honesty in this area is, is really, I think, quite important and instructive to all of us in all walks of life. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and especially, you know, especially having, you know, having had depression and, 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 you know, struggling with, you know, struggling, having struggled with mental health stuff, you kind of think, shit, you know, like, mm. it's just, it's just, it's always important to hear other people say that, you know, mm, mm. and to say that it's, yeah, and to have someone as strong as Ina talking about her recovery. So, you know, here's to Ina's recovery. She says she's not sure if she'll get back on the bike. I mean, she's not sure if she'll able to get, get back on the bike. And, mm. you know, that's the other thing about head injuries. You know, you think about someone like Amber Halliday, um, you know, the Aussie, the Aussie yeah. cyclist who's, who's head, you know, these are like, these are serious fucking head injuries. And, yeah. Yeah. And they're not, and there was, um, apparently one of the you know one of the belgian riders um jesse darms i think had uh crashed in the belgian championships and apparently so apparently her team said that she part she got back on her bike and continued and you know passed out five times after the race and you're like holy shit mm -hmm. that's just not right mm -hmm. it's just not right and yeah so um Yep, so here's to Ina healing fast and terrorizing the fuck out of the peloton. Yeah, and um, and she will also be sorely missed uh, for the remainder of the season, but, you know, absolutely appreciate and respect and support, I think, the very intelligent decision to give her the time that she needs to recover properly. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, and I think I think you know, full credit has to go to to Christy Scrimjaw and um, the the team for putting the riders' health first. You know, that's not yes. an easy decision to make. Um, no. And and in business terms, and particularly in a sport as fraught as women's cycling is, uh, yes. with with economic pitfalls, that's a that's a strong and brave decision. And I really respect and want to give credit to that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she says in her blog, you know, in a, if she had been in another team, there might have been pressure for her to get back to the bike before she was ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so Mm. You know, well, I think points. I think this is a lesson that a lot of men's teams haven't learned. So, you know, oh God, I, who was it? Was it was it um, Chris Christian Horner? Vandervelde, I think, wasn't it? Well, uh, well the Horner, thing is, there've been there've been so many of them, haven't mm. there? Mm. Been so many of them, and and we're bound to see it again in the Tour de France this year, where you know where some poor soul gets off, you know, falls over, lands on his head, passes out by the roadside for a couple of minutes, he's kind of gets up woozy, can't walk straight, and tries to get on his bike, and people don't stop him. Yeah, yeah. And you can say, and, and people, you know, when that happened last, was it, I can't even remember who it was, was it, you know, who it was last year that was really shocking, the Radio Shack rider, and it was a real shocking thing. And people going, oh, yes, but he's an athlete, and, you know, he, he, he has, he, you know, he's, he's got control, and he, he wants to carry on. And you're like, no, at that point, you have a duty of care to a rider, mm-hmm. and you have, and you're, yeah. you know, and, and he's not making an informed choice. I if mean, you've had that's... a head injury, you're not making an informed choice. It's, it's kind Kind of like me trying to get into a bar at four in the morning after I've been out since, say, four in the afternoon previously. You know, I can argue all that I want to that I'm a professional drinker and I know how to handle it, but <laughs> it's still someone's responsibility to stop me, you know. Oh, so. Dear listener, Dan isn't the alcoholic he'd like you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> stop undermining me on the podcast, Sarah. God damn it. <laughs> um, hey, just just quickly. If you, if you, dear lady, went out on a date with Daniel, he would not be just just knocking back as much whiskey as he could fit into himself and being a terrible drunk. He'd be a charming, lovely, gentlemanly guy, and you'd go, "Who is this? Where's this? Where's this hard drinking persona that I've heard about so often on the podcast?" He comes out on the third date. <laughs> and if you'd like to take him up on that offer, ladies. <laughs> well, I was actually going to try and wrap up the program by getting back to the thread that we sort of left off, which is we covered who's not going to be at the Jura Rosa. But you know, like what what do you what do you think is going to happen to the race now? Because I have no idea. Well, I I I mean I don't know. I mean, well, Eddie right, there Stevens are two, there has are... to start as a as a as a as an absolute top. Yeah. So there, there Priority, are doesn't three, three absolute key things that I see here. Um, first being, obviously, you know, Mariana was always going to be a hot favourite anyway, even though this is a particularly tough course with two very tough climbing stages towards the end of the week that, you know, I think throw it open a little bit more than, than most might assume. But, yeah, absolutely the absence of, of several of, of the key competitors is going to be a factor there. Uh, secondly, you're absolutely right. I think Evie has to be, if not equal, very close to equal favourite. Um, particularly given that she's, you know, she's not just back, but you know, she's back to to winning from Trentino and put some race miles into the legs and and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. The third thing that I'm really interested about, and I can't quite see it, and maybe you'll have some insight into this for me, is obviously it has been a plan all season long for Emma Johansson to 
take a break and not not contest at the the Giro Rosa, which means whatever the plan is, Orica AIS have to have some other plan. Well, their other plan, my dear, is Tiffany Cromwell and Luce Hunnewijk. But for the overall, for the GC? Tiffany Cromwell. Really? Okay. Okay. You know you know that Tiff... I mean, Tiff is such a No, no, I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I know Tiff's tough, and, and she is. She's a great rider. I think, I think she's fantastic. I just... I guess I hadn't really thought of her in, in GC contention for the Giro Rosa. Well, I reckon, I mean, given, so, so the Giro Rosa, it's eight, like eight stages, yeah? Mm. And the two, the stage six and stage seven are the climbing ones. And none of this, what they've had in the past, which is, you know, climb, 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 descend, descend, descend. These are just straight up, you know, straight up climbing stages, yep. which I think will suit Tiffany. Okay. So how do you and think? we also have Shara Gillow. And don't forget that Shara Gillow, um, she did, she, she won, she won the final stage of Trentino this year. And uh, last, and, and in 2011, she was the only rider apart from Boss who didn't wear the pink jer- who got to wear the pink jersey and win a stage. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting thing. Um, other riders to look out for. Well, um, Linda Willemson is riding for Wiggle, and I've no idea what her form will be like. Linda's an attacking rider who's, you know, quite good in the mountains, but I think this might be too long for her. Well, um, also, yeah, that... I mean, she's she's basically had half the year off, so... Yeah, exactly. Then we have, speaking of riders who've had half the year off, Mara Abbott riding mm. for Team USA. Um, mm. Mara won it before in the past, I think in 2009. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mara. Um, and she did well, well. She did well at the Tour of the Healer, didn't she? So. Yeah, but it's very, very hard to compare. Yeah, it's that... really hard to compare the Tour of the Healer yeah. to riding yeah. in the USA. I would love to see Tibco's. Claudia Hauschler and Amanda Miller shine. Um, I mm-hmm. think Shelley Evans, Shelley Olds will will is well in line for winning a sprint. Um, yeah, I mean Trixie and Trixie and Evie for specialised. Yep. Then we get to the Ameri- to the Italians and looking up at them. I mean, obviously you've got Tatiana Guderzo and Tatiana Ch- uh, Antoshina, Antoshina on Enchipolini. Yep. And now Guderzo is a former world champion and she does really, really well in this race. Yeah. Then another ride, rider who I'm not going to be sending a love letter to, and that's <laughs> Fabiana Luperini for Farron uh, Let's Go Finland. Uh, hang on, it's, excuse me, you promised that you would say the team name with a sing-song voice. Farron Let's Go Finland! Thank you. Yeah, but it's hard when you're talking about drug cheats to <laughs> be... Um, to be to be kind of sing songy. I maybe that's, I should sing a Farron. I, I don't think let's that's go Finland. I don't think that's Finland's fault though. So No, yeah. no, okay. But I think it might be Farron's fault. But they've got I mean, when you look at a when you look at a team like Farron and they've got Marta Bastianelli who was out on a drugs ban. Uh Marta Bastianelli famously contested her the length of her drugs ban and they, they it was looked at and they went, Yeah, We've made it far too short. Let's add on a year. <laughs> yeah, just just proving yeah. that um, that asking the the course supervisor to revise your grade doesn't always work in your favour. No, no, exactly. And yeah, and then Luperini. I mean, Luperini has won the race a lot of times, and it is always a little bit difficult if you Google, as I am doing now, Fabiana Luperini, and you go to her Wikipedia page. It doesn't mention the um, drugs. So if you'd like to edit the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yes. Um, 
<sighs> all right. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so um, we've we've crossed off all the majors, but any. Oh, word... and Ashley Moorman. Ashley Moorman. Oh Ashley yeah, Mulman. of course, Ash. Also, I was going to ask. Um, do you have any insights as to what uh, high tech might be doing? I have no idea. Let's have a look on who's their list. Do, mm. do, 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 this is the song for Sarah looking things this, up on the internet. This is the page la, loading la, la, song. La 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 It would help if I hadn't come off that page. So excuse my kitty clackety. It would help going, if it had better lyrics. I am going, people, to Cycling Fever, women.cyclingfever.com, which is my absolute go-to page for start lists and the final start list for the Giro Rosa isn't out, but it gives you loads of information. If you go there, it'll give you links to the teams and riders, the history, videos, all sorts of things. Now, who is in high tech? Well, we don't know because they haven't told us who they're replacing. Um, Elisa with. Longo, but yeah. Elisa with. But they've got... Um, Chloe for the stage. I, well, I mean, it's going to be Cecily Johnson and Rachel Nalen who are going to and, and Rosella Ratto who are going to be hitting up the um, ah, right, hitting up yeah. the climbs. Actually, that's but a pretty I, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid team anyway, isn't it? For it's a pretty solid team. Yeah. I mean, I reckon I reckon that our young Rosella will win the young, young riders, riders jersey. jersey. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, are, are, and, you, are you willing to predict a, a top five for her, or you think you think that might be a bit of a stretch? No, I don't think she'll top five. I don't think she'll top okay. five this year. I would love it if she proved me wrong, but I think the top five will include Evie, Tatiana Goderzo, uh, Lou Perini, uh, uh, uh. Mormon. I'd love to see in there. Depends because she did crash in Trentino, and I don't know how mm. well she's going. Yeah. And of course, I would love to see Sharon Laws. I don't think it's likely, but Sharon Laws. Did I say Evie? So who did I say? Yes, Evie, you did. Tatiana, Mariana, Ash. Evie, Tatiana, Mariana, Ash, Fabiana. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The top five. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know. I don't know about Mara Abbott. I just do not know. I. I. I'll say no. All right. So she's the. But she's the dark wrong. horse. She's the. Uh, she's the dark horse. If you're a, a betting person, then feel free to. Well, I mean, she. She should start as pretty well, shouldn't she? I mean, she should start mm. pretty well because of her. Um. You know, former. Former. She's got goodness. history. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, in short, uh, as sad as it is with with several key riders and several of our favourite riders unable to contest this year, it's still going to be quite an interesting race. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So, and yeah, and everyone should go to we'll put up a post on how to follow the Giro Rossa but in the meantime you can find out all the information you like by going to girorossa.it and I'll put links to our favourite previews which are on the fantastic um <laughs> there's De Say de la Route and Velo Focus awesome and um, are we going to be doing um, some live race thread sort of things over on Podium Cafe or something we like that? We will be doing some daily, some daily um, updates on Podium Cafe where we'll put links to everything. This is, this is assuming that I can get my arse and gear down. Yes, I have committed to doing daily updates on PodiumCafe.com. E- excellent. Uh, this is now the official public record. You heard it here. Sarah has promised. Okay. Excellent. And in the meantime... Anything you see, come to our blog, um, send me emails, send me suggestions for what Dan should do with his life, like alternative life coaching for Daniel, all of that stuff, all um, that jazz. Just, just to co- save us all time and effort, uh, all messages saying, get one, 
yeah, we take that as red. You know, be more inventive than that. He's still not going to listen to you. <laughs> it's, but, um, it's true. I'm not even going to read your messages, but Sarah will tell me all about them, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for listening, and we hope you have a lovely, lovely, lovely Giro Rossa week. Enjoy. Bye. <laughs>